Unloose the goose. We'll take no views. Your paradigm's run out of time and we've got no use. Unloose the goose. Today's episode number 55 of Unloose the Goose is a What the Flock Talk with Xavier Hawk. Uh, it kind of jumps right on into it, so I thought I'd append this little intro segment for you so it wouldn't be so abrupt. X was having some issues getting the technical side working, but this was a great episode. And with that, Jack Spierko here signing out, Xavier Hawk taking over. Hello, Cheryl. Well, hello, Xavier. How are you? Good, and you? I'm very well, thank you. Sitting here enjoying the sunshine in Florida. Whereabouts? Uh, Just so you know, we are recording right now. Uh, It is live streaming to the interwebs. Um, We'll have to edit it later, but uh, as of right now, that was as much as I could get done. So where where are you in Florida? We are in Crestview, which is in the panhandle. Oh, very nice. Very nice. And uh, are you from the Unloose the Goose telegram, the Firon telegram, or... I don't know what happened. Uh, which, which, uh, how did you find out the? Well, believe it or not, my husband turned me on to unloose the goose. Um, I don't know. I'm losing you. But believe it or not, you came from where? Uh, my husband actually turned me on to unloose the goose. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. And uh, how long has he been listening? How long have you been listening? Since it started. Since it started. Well, cheers to you. Thank you, citizen. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, yes. Very cool. So you guys, are, it's it's uh, getting towards the evening out here. It's five o'clock about. We're going to start in about six minutes officially. Um, that's awesome. What What kind of fields of work are you guys in? Uh, my husband just recently retired. He worked for, he was a print, what they call a principal research scientist. Um, oh. and, uh, I've been retired now for about 10 years. So. Ah, awesome. And what fields but, were you, what field were you in? Um, I actually was in security. I, I, uh, handled, uh, classified documents and, uh, we like both were, yes, we both awesome. were active duty Navy. That's where we met, actually. We were on the same ship together. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. And chief research officer, is that what you said he was? Principal research scientist. Principal research scientist. And and in what field? What kind of uh, scientist? Electronics, computers, machinery. Okay, awesome. That's great. And so I'm assuming that you all are pretty much fed up with the the shit show that is uh, our, our our government. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm beyond fed up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm we, beyond fed imagine? up. Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah. I I am so sick and tired of this. I am so sick and tired of this illegitimate president spouting off and doing what he's doing. We, you know, everybody keeps saying, "Oh, socialism is coming." Oh no, it's here. It's actually moved to communism now. And it's you know, pretty pretty malarkey. Like, yep, right. Well, and I'm sick of people going, oh, we'll just wait till 2022. No. No, we can't well, wait yeah, until what, 2022. What, is, what good is that? Right. Yeah. 
considering that, you know, we can't even count on any of the systems that are there. Absolutely. Well, and the thing of it is, is that if we do not reconcile what occurred in 2020, there will be no 2022. There will be a farce of an election. And then come 2024, they will tell us who is going to be appointed as president. Kind of like what just happened in Canada. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yep. And people are not seeing that and people are not um, literally. And I, you know, I do feel a little bit of hope because I have seen that people are waking up. Um, I think that a lot of information that has come out has helped, um, especially in just the past um, week or so that it has um, people are starting to wake up. Um, hopefully it's not too late. And, um, I mean, the problem is this, is that people cannot sit on their hands any longer. There is no sitting there and hoping that someone else will take care of it or hoping that our politicians will do the right thing. They haven't done the right thing in 50 years. Why would they start now? Agreed. All right, let me do the intro because I feel like we have a whole lot to talk about. and We're just going to get right into it. Welcome, everybody, to Unloose the Goose. This is a special What the Flock talk with Xavier Hawk. And we're going to be just talking with you, the community. We put the Zoom link in a number of the Telegram chats, the Unloose the Goose Telegram chat, the Survival Podcast Telegram chat, the Fire on Telegram chat, and the Baseline chat Telegram chat. And um, if anybody's out there and wants to join us, we're, we're live right now. You can get on with Cheryl and myself. And we're going to talk about a variety of subjects, mostly what's on the community's mind, uh, what's on Cheryl's mind. And we've been getting a piece of that already. Um, and we'll do some back and forth and some commentary. Maybe Cheryl's husband in the background will chime in as well. Uh, so what we were just discussing is pretty much the number one reason to get involved in agorism, which is if you're counting on somebody else to come and make things all right for you, you're in for a very rude awakening because that's not what the government's job is, right? They're not in the job of making everybody's lives easier. They're in the job of, uh, at this point, lining their pockets and making decisions for them and their cohorts. Truly fascism, right? In the, in the strictest definition of the term. Um, and so Cheryl and her husband are both ex Navy and met themselves, met, met each other on the ship together when they were stationed. Uh, one is a research scientist and the other was in security and, um, and, and, and documentation and, and filing secure classified documents. So, We're going to have some interesting perspective. And we just had somebody else join us, Serena from New York. Uh, Serena, would you like to introduce yourself real quick? Tell us who you are, where you're from, and what your superpower is. My superpower. Hey, guys. uh, Serena, I live on the east end of Long Island. Um, Mm -hmm. Not sure what my superpower is, but I'm in my infrared sauna detoxing per my awesome doctor's instruction, my daily detox. Highly recommend it. Oh, nice. So wait, you're, you're in an infrared sauna right now? Yes, sir. Oh, so we're going to get you like beta and theta brainwaves. You're going to be totally chill. <laughs> I can't <laughs> chill sweating this much. I absolutely hate this. Oh, my goodness. So uh, do you mind sharing why you're why you're doing it? Um, well, when all of this bullshit started, um, it had coincided with yet another horrible allopathic medicine doctor experience. So mm. I proactively sought a natural doctor. And, yep. um, yeah, I've been with her ever since. And it's 
part of a daily detox. I'm on all sorts of supplements to detox liver, kidney. And uh, this, she wants me to do 20 minutes of excessive sweating and infrared sauna every day. Right on. I actually do uh, something called a sweat lodge uh, about four or five times a month, which is just intense sweating. But in a steam bath, you know, you take rocks, put them in a fire until they're red, you know, like look like lava and then pour water on them. And then it steams up in the in the room and it basically cooks you. And what that does is actually really good for your body systems because it create, makes you more porous. So you can get it's one of the only ways that you can really get rid of heavy metals and toxins uh, through the number one um expulsion mechanism that your body has which is sweat and breathing right they're the biggest they're the biggest ways that we uh expel toxins yeah so, well that's pretty cool tomorrow i go to get the last of the mercury fillings out of my mouth also per her so. oh that's great good yeah. I'm, I'm blessed i've never had to get any fillings um so i didn't have to deal with that but and and what is it that you do what is your career or passion field uh animals dogs in particular i take care of dogs Oh, nice. Well, that's awesome. I'm about to get one. Okay, so that's Serena. And uh, Cheryl, again, you were saying something to the effect of we've not gone, we're not going into socialism. We've gone past that. and We're in full-fledged communism. I would even say that we've gone past that into just totalitarian fascism and tyranny um, simply because the amount of input that the public has on any of the goings-on uh, currently, and like you said, for the past 50 years, has declined steeper and steeper and steeper each year going into this mess. Um, if I were to ask you what your opinion is of the way that media and, let's say, government and pharma and, you know, corporations have colluded, what, what is your overall picture or the way you describe it to somebody who just showed up to the planet? Well, the mainstream media lies, don't really believe anything that they say. They have certainly been infiltrated by the CIA. The CIA has um, basically Project Mockingbird to where they use their propaganda and they spew the propaganda in a way that the mainstream media gives you the news that they want you to know in the way that they want you to think. Big Pharma, I can see why you would have that perspective. It, it certainly feels that way that there's a narrative. It's like, if you look at the left and the right broadcasting stations, you know, like the even right side news and, and, you know, Fox and all these, they, they're all literally talking about the same thing, but from an right. opposite angle, right. They're like fighting each other. Right? right. And so people who don't tend to think for themselves and, or dictate their own track of reason, you will say, Oh, oh this is what we're talking about today. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, how, do, how do we how do we combat that? You know that it's literally exposing the lies, showing people facts, talking facts with them, and and proving it to them. Don't just tell them, prove it to them. Give them documentation. Show them video. Show them newspaper articles and stuff. I mean, I I literally do not listen to any mainstream media. I do not listen to Fox. I haven't listened to Fox since uh, the very first debate that they did. Uh, prior to the 2016 election, because it was very evident that they wanted Jeb Bush to get the nomination. Yeah, and I think both so, sides are corrupt. I I, I think anybody oh, I looking at the you. Republicans, conservatives, and Democrats, like, yeah, I think it's just uh, foolhardy. I, I really oh, you're think absolutely that right. 
I think agorism and I, and you know, if my other co-hosts were here, they, they would might have a bone to pick, but is essentially constitutionalism. It's like here we have an agreement on how we're going to fucking work together and operate together as individuals. So why don't we just stick to our agreements and then everybody gets their noses out of everybody else's business. Right. Um, and then everybody else who is sort of like statist, which is, uh, basically, um, we need a, we need a government to take care of us. We need somebody to tell us how to, how to be well and, and maintain our health. And we've seen throughout history that that hasn't been the case. Right. Um, so I, I noticed we just had somebody else join us. Uh, Eric, Eric, would you mind chiming in and telling us who you are, what your superpower is and where you're from? Uh, my name is Eric Colbert. I am, uh, my superpower is being from Kansas and, uh, I, <laughs> uh, basically we're, my wife and I are urban homesteaders and, uh, mm-hmm. I the elusive use originally through Jack and Nicole. Um, I've been to, uh, Workshops both their places, and I'll be going to Jackson in November as well. So, awesome. And it's pretty hard to get into Jack's workshop. I, I'm pretty sure it's already full. Um, but if anybody wants to find out more and you're not familiar with Jack Spearco, that's the survivalpodcast.com. Uh, he's been doing this for as, like, at least 10 years, um, giving everybody tips on how to live a better life, even if times get tougher if they don't. Uh, so that's, that's cool. So you've been one of his TSP members for a long time, huh? Uh, quite a while, and I'm actually heading off to uh, Paul Wheaton's place in Montana next week for a Rocket Mass Cedar Jamboree, so I'll be in Montana for Nice. A That's great. I love Paul. Yeah, we all met at Permaculture Voices. Well, I knew Jack before Permaculture Voices. I think he was actually instrumental in helping me get a, a speaking gig there at PV1. Um, I had been a guest on his show a number of times and had learned so, so much. In fact, I had set up the... Uh, the car uh, power generation system in my truck after listening to him and Steve um, and, and just setting it up so that I was charging a battery bank in my, in my Ford F three fifty at the time. I want to actually get that set back up again in my, my new uh, suburban. So, so you've got a homestead now, Eric, is that right? Did I hear uh, right? We're, well, we're what we consider urban homesteaders. We have a yeah. lot, uh, corner lot in the middle of a city. But uh, I've got six foot privacy fence and a backyard bar and a backyard uh, uh, greenhouse that we built. So you say backyard barn? You've actually got animals in the city? Not barn, bar, B A R. Oh, okay. Like yeah, got it. Like a tiki. Uh, like like a pub shed, like they have in England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. That's that's fun. Um, we're in the suburbs, I would say here, but we're in an unincorporated part of the city. So we have no HOA and we can have chickens and we can have goats. My sister had a pig and like, it's in the middle of like nice Del Rey. Right. Um, so uh, that's, that's why we picked the spot that we're at and we, we've just been setting up our gardens and got our fences and everything done. So maybe we can have a talk about backyard gardening as well. Serena, Cheryl, do you guys do any gardening? Yes. Yes. I awesome. Did. Are you, are you producing food for yourselves? And if so, what, what amount or what percentage would you say, uh, are you producing for yourselves? Well, actually last year did very well, but this year, um, because of we've had so much rain here, it literally drowned out my garden. So I got very little produce. Um, but, um, you know, I did was able to purchase some produce and, um, can some things, put that up, you know, tomatoes, uh, pickle relish, different things like that. So, uh, plus we have bees. So we have nice. our, our own honey. 
Um, we have chickens. Yep. So we have our own eggs. Um, we so would you say like maybe 40, 50% of your I would say, food intake? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's remarkable. That's really great. Eric, what about you? Um, you guys obviously don't have the animal husbandry thing going on, uh, in, in, in favor of, uh, in favor of the pub lifestyle, but how much food are, would you say you're growing? Um, actually we are allowed to have animals, uh, some, some animals. We can have chickens. Uh, oh, nice. We're not allowed to, I mean, we're probably not going to have a rooster just out of, you know, consideration yep. for our neighbors, but yep. our plans are actually to build a, uh, a coop and run and put in some chickens probably in the spring. Um, but this year I broke my yeah. finger and I, my project's That's got a little cool. uh, behind. We probably grow, um, we grow things like tomato. I love tomatoes. So this year I grew yep. a bunch of plants, drives my wife crazy, but, uh, they, they came on kind of late, but we've been probably pulling 10 pounds of tomatoes off every other day. Uh, wow. That's grow, awesome. And you're canning them as well. And I'm about to. Yeah. Um, nice. It'll be my first, first year canning. I've water bath canned before, but I'm going to get one of the new uh, digital pressure canners. So, um, oh, cool. Have, so yeah. Would, would you say like 25%, 30% of your food? I, I'd say probably more like 10. Uh, okay. We, we've been, yeah. it's, there's been a lot of things going on. We do though locally, like for instance, we just bought another freezer and just are about to take delivery on a half side of beef from a local producer who does grass fed, grass finished. Uh, so are we, we. And we have, um, we have contacts that we've met through local farmers market who does, uh, organic and free range chickens. So we're, we're getting, we get our chickens from there. Um, we get our seafood from butcher box. So. Wow. So, so let me just repeat this back so that I'm, I'm clear. You guys are sourcing a lot of your meat from local farmers directly, not from necessarily distribution centers. Um, you are canning and learning to can and be more self-sufficient with your growth. Cheryl, you guys have animals and, and are, uh, mm-hmm. you know, rocking with your garden supplies. Um, and I would assume, uh, that you guys are doing this A, because it's fucking smart to in this, in this age of uncertainty, but then also B, to take some control back in your lives out of what seems to be like a runaway train. Would that be a, a, a fair assessment? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I just have to say. I mean, it's smart. It's a smart thing to do. Any people have literally forgotten the whole art of taking care of themselves. They expect someone else to take care of them. And it's never, ever, that's never going to happen. You have to take care of yourself. Bottom line. Yeah. And I think, A, for me, it's really heartening to hear this from you guys and, and hear that there are members of our community who are uh, you know, mm-hmm. listeners, but also involved in actually doing these things and getting, getting themselves to that, that feeling of self-sufficiency and at least not a fully self-sufficient, but self-reliant enough to be able to weather whatever storm comes. I mean, it's got to give you like a level of confidence and just wherewithal to stand up and be like, yo, this is fucked up. Right. Right. Cause some people can't, <laughs> some people can't, they, they, they're worried about their jobs. They're worried about their reputations that will affect their jobs. And it all comes right. back down to bottom line their 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 money and and their self-reliance uh so somebody else just joined us as well uh rusty welcome rusty if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself where you're from and what your superpower is oh hello i'm uh i am in saigon ho chi minh city and oh yeah hey what's up rusty (laughs) yeah yeah i just popped on it's 4 a.m 
I won't be here much longer. I just wanted to see what was going on. I just put something on on the uh, stream on Telegram mm-hmm. that I just found related to some of the stuff we talked about last time. Old soul stuff, ancient time stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I I guess my superpower would be able just to kind of feel the timelessness of what it means to keep coming back to this weird planet and keep seeing yeah. us. Through. I'm just trying to see us through it. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel that. Uh, so give us a little uh, on the boots, on the ground perspective of how things are in Thailand. Um, it, it seems to me just with my, you know, Vietnam. Vietnam, sorry, that with my little knowing that they are more self-reliant per capita, let's say, than, you know, citizens in the United States, for instance, who by and large live in, in not necessarily industrial centers, but nearby suburbs and places that have, like, for instance, Walmarts and some of these big box stores that have all of this superfluous Chinese made shit. Whereas in Vietnam, you know, that's more of an agricultural society for the most part, while there are the big cities. And, yeah, it's it has developed quite a lot since you've seen all the Hollywood films and all. So, yeah, it's of course it's fairly I mean, I'm I'm in an, a huge urban center, so we have box stores and everything. And yeah. Are yeah, there I mean, still like street vendors and stuff in, in, in that oh, sense? Yeah, in you know, general, we, street food culture. There's all that going on still. Yeah. So, yeah. Def- definitely. It's much more rustic in that sense. Definitely. Yeah. Cause like yeah. in Paris, for instance, you can go downstairs and there's like a bakery nearly on every block. Right. And they're all individual and they service that little like tiny community. Is, is it more like that over there as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely like family businesses. They, in their own houses, they open the front, front, you know, room and sell their products and, restaurants in the home and all that stuff family business right downstairs and live upstairs so it's all yeah i tend to think of like more eastern societies and cultures even even african that if there were a problem with western civilization as a whole let's say the united states collapsed or whatever and a lot frankly business would go on as usual most around the world most places around the world right um oh yeah and so in some ways like you'd actually be insulated from any breakup or, or balkanization of the U.S. over there in the same way that United States citizens were insulated from what happened in the Balkans, right? So is is you being over there, does that have anything to do with preparedness or uh, was it really just economics? Was it a career opportunity? What, what say you? Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to be out of the States after W was installed. Yeah, and, and it, yep. it, coincided, it coincided with uh, the opportunity to travel the world, which was something I always wanted to do. And yeah, so that's been like nearly twenty years. So I are you doing Europe. like a digital digital nomad sort of thing? Are you like generating your income online, your own business? How is that working uh, for you? Partially, yeah, but I'm also working for language schools. So oh, cool, yeah. right. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that on our Hawk Talk show. Well, thanks yeah. for sharing. Appreciate it. Uh, so I'm just, I'm going through and asking everybody a couple questions just so I can have a basis 
for a conversation that I think everybody would be able to contribute to. Um, and, and where my thinking right now is, is sort of like resiliency, right? We, we've got a lot of people, including myself, who are growing their own foods, canning their own foods, learning these hands-on skills that, right. uh, A, make us more confident, um, B, you know, get us to rely on ourselves and our community more and, and reach out to the community. Like, like, um, Eric and, no, uh, Cheryl were talking about. Get, yeah, getting their, their, their beef and meats from, from local vendors and farms. Um, in, 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 uh, Vietnam right now, um, is it mostly like all of the beef, let's say that you get at the, at the store or at the vendors, it, it's mostly their beef, right? Or their, their cattle or their, their mm-hmm. animals, right? Um, not at the shops, no. Mm-hmm. So they do get they do get import from New Zealand and Australia, but there I would say majority of it is Vietnamese beef, which yeah. is not the best quality, but yeah. <laughs> right, right. So Cheryl, here in Florida, I mean you're closer to the Panhandle in the mainland, right? Um, yes. But down here in the in the the real Panhandle of Florida, the Panhandle of the United States, Southern Florida, um, you know there are a lot of people here. And there is not enough food to feed all of the people here. Um, I wonder everybody in different locations, Serena, I think this really pings to you, like, uh, the East coast there, uh, the Easter, Eastern side of the island, like if food, if, so I just saw an article earlier today, how the main transmission and gear axle for the big trucks, like the last one was made this month or yesterday or something. And that they, they won't have any more for the next bunch of years, which blew my mind, right? Yeah. Like, is this artificial? This, this, this production collapse that's been going on quietly behind the scenes? Is it the, is it the manufacturers squeezing everybody, right? Because it's like, oh, COVID stop. We'll just stop everything. Workers, we can, workers can't come in, right? Like we'll just, you know, make the excuse, use it to squeeze, uh, consumers for higher, higher prices. Or do you think it's like a legitimate, hey, there's there's a breakdown of the actual supply chain? What do you think? I think it's the whole COVID thing. I think it's absolutely the whole COVID thing. I know that the truckers were actually going to go on strike uh, in August. I want to say toward the end of August because of the fact that the vaccines were being mandated for them. And um, for some unknown reason, I'm not really sure. Because our son-in-law actually works for what used to be Nabisco in the warehouse. And he said that for some unknown reason, they did not go on strike. They were Hmm. going to do something very similar to what Australia did. Australia, yeah. And for some unknown reason, they didn't. So I, I, I can't believe that that is a true, shall we say, breakdown of the manufacturing for them. Why, why would Mm -hmm. that be, why would that happen right now? That makes no sense. Right. Yeah, I know it's been happening with the wood and, you know, lumber supplies, but that's just like, that's just manufactured scarcity. It's not like there are less trees being cut down or or processed. It's all sitting in the lumber yards and they're doing it for some specific reason. And I, I, you know, the conspiratorial side of me says, oh, they're all in collusion and, you know, they're trying to create artificial uh, collapse. And help it along because they've all got their golden tickets into some underground bunker because they know something. That, you know, like my mind goes there just right. generally. So does mine. Yeah, because the, 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 <laughs> like, what other sense does it make? 
I know that there have been iron mines, for instance, that haven't been operating at their complete capacity because of COVID, quote unquote. Right. And that's led to things like a lower supply in bullets. Like that's a real manufacturing scarcity, right? Not not manufacturing the scarcity, but it's scarcity in the manufacturing and the production. So um, when I'm looking at all of this and I'm saying it, it almost doesn't matter why, right? For, for our discussion, for the community and Unloose the Goose and Fyron and, and TSP and all of this, it's almost like it doesn't really matter why. It just matters that the wave is coming, right? And so we're all taking these steps. And, and it, again, it's really heartening for me to hear our community being involved and doing these things and, and taking control of their own destiny. It's like you can see the writing on the wall, right? If the, if the balkanization of the United States takes place and supply chains are broken, how can you get food? How can you get medical care if you need it? Um, so what are the ways? I, did somebody else join? I want to make sure I didn't miss anybody. We've got Rusty, Serena, Eric, Cheryl. Yeah. So Eric, how are you addressing, um, or maybe Serena, we, we, Selena, we didn't, uh, Serena, we didn't ask you a question for a little bit. How would you address supply chain issues like, like lack of, um, food coming into Manhattan and or medical care? Do you have plans of leaving? If so, where? If not, why not? Okay, so a little background. I lived on a very small Caribbean island for 17 years. What? Which one? St. John. Oh, very nice. Wow, how nice. Hurricane Irma actually destroyed my house while I was in it. But anyway. Oh, God. So, oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm what? sorry. You just got to back up a little bit. Did your house collapse around you? Like, did you look up and there was no roof all of a sudden? Uh, most, the roofs were gone, but I happened oh. to be, we had a cement structure with wooden roofs. Thank God we had a cement structure. Right. All the, win- all the windows blew out. All the hurricane shutters blew off. The roofs blew off. Wow. And I was in the only uh, completely solid cement structure in the lower level which was um, in between the cisterns because in the Caribbean. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. It was, a ba- it was a bathroom in between. So the bathroom was literally carved out in between the two cisterns of the house. Wow. So that's oh where I was. Cow. Yeah. Were you there solo or did you have people there with you? Like what? No, what? I had uh, two, my two rescue pit bulls who were fosters. Oh they were, were fosters they out? at the time. Um, well, we were in complete blackness in this little cement enclave and yeah. I had, um, I had earplugs in and I was reading a book out loud at the top of my lungs and then I passed wow. out. Yeah. And my 80 year old father. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he, w- he was there too? Yes. And yes. And the roof blew off of the part of the lower level where he was, it was starting to go. And uh, yeah. he he was like, I'm just going to stay here. And I'm like, the fuck you are. So I, right. dragged, so him, dragged, I him. dragged him into the bathroom. Yeah. So it was the four of us in there. Yeah, it was crazy. Anyway, oh so I'm kind of used to I'm kind of used to a lack of supply and not relying because the islands didn't produce its own food. There was very right. little agriculture on that island. The, uh, right, it's mostly the, like rich people in yachts. Yeah, and two thirds national park, oddly enough, bought and donated by a Rockefeller. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, and another fun fact: I lived literally, my bedroom was literally across from Epstein Island. 
Like that was our view. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Bizarre. And did you have any idea what was going on there? Because it hadn't really hit the the news feeds until like a little bit in 2000. Yes. When uh, he got busted, when the, um, the, the government came or whoever came down on that prosecutor in Florida and he actually came into the restaurant that I worked in and uh, I served him and he had an ankle monitor on. Epstein? And that was at, yes, and he never came over to St. John, so it was very right. bizarre. It was like a big deal. It was wow! Weird. So then, after I find out all of this Epstein stuff and weather modification, I'm like, oh, Hurricane Irma, really? <laughs> oh, I didn't oh, even think about that. The timing of that. Did you see the hurricanes that came to Florida and like they were it's category five? It's totally gonna hit fucking Mar-a-Lago. And then at the last minute, it goes like, and then like literally yes. like pushes over and then goes up like, like, like what yes. Biden's votes did. It just goes this and then goes up and then keeps continuing on. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I like, even back then I was like, Oh, this is, this is legit weather modification. So now that you mentioned that, you know, what's crazy, you know, what's crazy to me is like these kinds of conversations did not happen 10 years ago. And here we are. Like, and granted, we're all in this similar, like, community of, you know, uh, preparedness and just self-reliance and all of this. But the openness, which we're all like, oh, yeah, Epstein. Oh, yeah, the Rockefellers. Oh, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like everybody fucking knows now. And the narrative that, that they're trying to push everybody on, like, go down this, um, this stall, right? Like, all of you cows go down this stall. And all the cows were all like, wait a minute. That's not, that doesn't make any sense. And so we're all over here, like huddled in the corner being like, you saw that? Yeah. Did you see this? And everybody's kind of like with the internet, everybody's learning so quickly that like even kids on TikTok, like I'd say like two thirds of the information on TikTok these days is like this sort of stuff. Um, You know, you've got your girls dancing and kids doing weird shit and whatever, but like there's like a lot of people dropping some serious knowledge links and just perspective. Yes. And because we're herd creatures in so many ways, we, we, we learn what our tribe learns and, you know, we want to make sure we're, we're up to speed. Like we're all adapting really quickly to all of that. So I just want to say kudos to you all. Like, you know, it, I didn't mean to cut you off, Serena. I wanted to con- you to continue on your discussion. And by the way, thank you for all of that backstory. Like I, I have a much more complete and awesome picture of you. Like to ride through a storm like that solo with your two dogs and your 80, 80 year old father in like what is basically a bomb shelter while the whole house collapses around you. That's some pretty burly shit. Um, so kudos to you for that. But so, yeah, you're in, you know, on the island and you're like, there's not enough food here. What's your plan? Well, I started uh, growing this year. I experimented in container gardens and I also belong to a CSA. And we have tons of farms out here. We have fishermen and, uh, you know, I'm not really worried because I know how to get food and I've started to um, venture into foraging and I have, you know, stockpiles of sprout seeds and um, nice. yeah, tons of other like food and, you know, food for my animals. But I, I do realize that I need to get some, some game meat, like uh, quails. I know Jack is like huge on quail because they're cheap and you know, they don't yep. require much space and, uh, yeah, chickens. And, you know, we have deer all around my yard. We have turkeys everywhere. I really would not want to have to kill them. I can butcher and dress them, but I, 
But, I mean, if push comes to shove, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Dude, so that's really incredible. So you're really do you're really thinking the, the quail thing. I'm so our, Mark, my wife teaches over at the, the Waldorf school where my kids go and they've been raising quail, um, which has been very successful for them. Everybody loves it. And I'm like looking at them and I'm like, that's really easy. Right. And then also Jack went off. I think it was on an Unloose the Goose episode a couple of weeks ago about catching pigeons. And I'm like really intrigued about that. I've never eaten pigeon meat, which is surprises me. I've eaten a lot of different kinds of meat. Um, are you, are you thinking about pigeons at all? Did you didn't mention them? Did you? No, I didn't mention them, but we have tons of seagulls. They'd be better eaten than quail and pigeon, right? <laughs> seagull? I, I haven't eaten yeah. seagull. Has anybody here on the show Who eaten knows? seagull? No, <laughs> no. Outside the box. You got to no. think outside the box in these times, people. I've had ostrich. Yeah. We, we've got, oh, I've had ostrich. We have tons of iguana down here in South Florida, like that are so comfortable with humans. You can pretty much just walk up to them and like they'll sit in alongside the road and like patches of grass. You'll see like 30, 40 of them just like chilling. Um, and we've got them in our neighborhood too. And you know, BB gun, pellet gun would take them out pretty easy. But you know, I've looked at that and I've actually eaten iguana, pretty good eating for a reptile. Um, but yeah, this is what about, um, uh, so I think Rusty will have some interesting perspective. What are some of the meats that they eat out in Vietnam? Vietnam. Dog. Vietnam. Dude, <laughs> I was thinking dog. There are is not a dog. There is not an animal that can they don't walk, walk around safely around here. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. There are not yeah. many left. There are not many left. Ah, that's a, that's a good point too, right? So if, if all of a sudden our supply chain goes down here in the States, everybody's like, oh, I'll just go hunt me some deer. And it's like, yeah, you and all the 339 or 329,999,000 other people, right? Like, good <laughs> luck with that. Um, yeah. that'll be all the deer gone in one season, right? Cause they won't, they won't yeah. give an F. They'll be like, oh, I don't have to adhere to the hunting guidelines. I'm just going to go get as many as I can. And that just is a testament to the stupidity of man. Um, you know, that, 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 but that's, that's a serious thing. And like, if you go to places like North Korea, not saying that any of our situation is going to become that bad, hopefully. Um, but like you, you, there's nothing, nothing living there. Rats that manage to survive any period of time usually get eaten by the children. You know, the children go and capture them. Um, what are some Dan, the delivery man? I just see somebody else joining us. Dan, how are you? Good. How are you? Would, Good. Introduce yourself, your superpower, and where you're from. I oh, and am, how you found us. I Well, I am a delivery man for a company that competes with Staples. We actually deliver our own products. I am cool. in Pennsylvania. Got you. Mm-hmm. And I've, I found Unloose the Goose through Jack. I actually was looking into duck farming and found him on YouTube. That's how you found yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Is, so... Are you, are you doing duck farming now or where are you at with that? I raised ducks, turkey, quail, chickens, meat chickens, and several other things at my parents' house before I got married. But then I had to move into a small apartment. So now only I, I only have a dog and a cat. So. And you're like, what the fuck? I used to have a whole flock. What the flock? Yeah, what the yeah flock? basically. Are, are your folks taking care of them still or, or did you have to close down your operation? I sold everything off except for the chickens that they keep for eggs. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, 
So, and I'm, I'm assuming you're like in a suburban area now, right? Yeah. Apartment complex. Apartment complex. You, yeah. So you, you said you did keep pigeons or not? I, I missed that. Uh, quail. I quail. didn't have, I had a show pigeon, but I got rid of it. And so, yeah. You, and by got rid of it, you don't mean eat it, right? I might have eaten it. Yes. No it's, shit. It's, All right. Cool. Was it good? What's it like? Tell us. Have you ever eaten a dove? <laughs> No, yeah. actually. It's similar to that. You There's a lot it. of dove hunting in PA. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's, it's like gamey, like Cornish game hen, basically? More bland. More bland. Depending on where they live. Granted, I'm in Lancaster with all the Amish. Oh, jeez. Right. And, and, and do the Amish eat pigeon? Well, they ship them up to New York City and sell them to them. Right. It did. So, were you doing any homing pigeon stuff? Could you give us a little uh, insight into pigeon pigeon homing? I did not. All? I I did think of that though as a way of communication. Yeah, that that that's where my mind was going, right? Because um, last week Nicole and I and and the other uh, goose were talking about that as like if comms go down, if electricity goes down, we're effed. How about we set up like how about we set up homing? But I don't know the range for homing pigeons. I would imagine it's, you know, a couple miles, maybe. Um, and then you you basically have to root them or roost them in your location and then go take them to the other person's house. But the, then the question is, is how long before they stay there before do they become roosted there and not fly back to the original place? Like, I don't I'm trying to understand that equation still. Do, do you have any insight? I do not. But I do know that I've looked into housing and they do have a way of like you create a gate that allows them to go into the house. So when they come back, they get stuck there. It has like oh, okay. pegs that only go one way into the house. So you, right. they do races around here sometimes and they'll they'll travel pretty far. I figured you could attach a USB drive to one of them. Yeah, easy for sure. Around. Yeah. Oh, uh, my mind is racing. I, I want to just get <laughs> pigeons for that. Like, so we're we're playing. So you're you're still working on the duck thing, right? You're going to do it in your in your apartment. You think? I have a friend who has twenty acres. That oh, he well, there you go. With Bitcoin, actually. Nice. Yeah, he was upset that he paid twelve dollars for it back in the day. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I yeah. So he That's does regenerative. Amazing. He does regenerative agriculture with beef. Does, does he know about Firon? Do you know about Firon? I do. Okay. Cool. Um. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm all. I love Firon. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. We we have a lot of cool shit happening right now. Like we're we're. I'll tell you guys if you want to hear about it. But I, I want to leave this to uh, some unleashed the goose topics. Um. You were about to say something there, Dan? I work 60 hours a week, roughly. So I am going to try and I'm getting my CDL and then I will be able to work less. And then I want to start, I want to start doing regenerative agriculture near him or on his land. Yeah, for sure. Is he setting up a community? Well, I, I kind of started to create connections. He, he gets milk that I can drink because I'm lactose intolerant. Uh-huh. I can have A2A2 milk. 
I don't know what that means, but I trust that you do. I, I learned it through the Weston A. Price <laughs> Foundation. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. When my wife and I first got married, we were deeply into Weston A. Price. And um, that was a big reason why we bought our farm and moved to it to grow all of our own food. At one point, we were doing like 75% of our own groceries. We were like wow. growing all of our own produce, canning all of it. We we had bees. We still have bees. I have them right out back of the studio. Um, and we were growing chickens and eggs. And uh, we ate a lot of stinging nettle. Stinging nettle grows up in the Appalachians like crazy. We're, it's because we're down here in Florida now. So there's a there's a tropical plant that a lot of Haitians uh, propagate in their yards. And it's called chaya. And it's as nutritious, if not more so than, you know, spinach and kale. It's, it's like really dense green food. Um, but you have to boil it first to get out certain, I don't know if it's saponins or something, but you have to get rid of them and then pour the water out and then you can just saute the, the leaves just like spinach. And it's really tasty actually. Um, and I'm all about like perennials and, and food that grows naturally without having to be, um, I, I learned a lot from Masanobu Fukuoku, right? Like, uh, the idea of what grows naturally here and what do I have to put the least amount of inputs into to get the most amount of return. So we always look for crops like that. Do you know of any up in your area that are good for that? And and then I'll go through the list of everybody. I use stinging nettle for my allergies. And then um, we do, I started to do uh, shiitake logs. Yes, that's very but cool. I haven't seen any fruit yet. I'm hoping this fall. It's hard. Uh, we have at least when we elder, we have elderberry and pawpaw around here. Very cool. And then I, so, I looked into chestnuts. Oh, nice. So for before I get to everybody else on the list, for those who don't know, and most of you, I'm assuming, would elderberry is a roadside weed, at least down here in Florida, um, and it looks like, gosh, what is it? It looks like an umbrella except upside down, uh, the, the, the flowers kind of look like an umbrella. They look like a sweet Anne's lace or something. And then right. they have these like bunches of little tiny, Why? uh, little tiny berries that are about the size of like a push pin. Um, and they're dark blue, dark black, dark purple. And that is literally the most potent antiviral on the planet, uh, at least in, in the Western world. Um, and we were driving from Sebring, Florida, back down to the coast. And I was just driving and I was like, oh, look, there's elderberry. Oh, look, there's, el there's like elderberry all along this little highway. So I pulled over literally 10 minutes, took a big grocery bag, you know, like, oh, I've got nails in that one. Just, you know, a regular grocery bag went out and just pulled, 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 pulled. And it was so fast. And because I didn't want any cops to pull over or whatever. So then I went and grabbed another bag, did the same thing, came home with what ended up being like a gallon and a half of elderberries. We froze them, picked them off the vine. And then we've literally been using that this whole season um, and just making elderberry honey, really, like a decoction of elderberries so that the water becomes really, like, thick and, and, and add some honey. And boom, you've got you've got the strongest antiviral on the planet. My wife adds uh, honey, uh, not honey, uh, apple cider vinegar and uh, garlic to make a oxymel. And that also is a very potent thing. And, like. When I got COVID, that's what I was doing. I was taking a lot, a lot of elderberry plus vitamin C plus, you know, quinine water that I made myself. But, um, this is, this is the beginning of self-reliance. So if you guys out there know what elderberry looks like or don't know, you should look it up and, and start looking for it in your area.
right? Because that's a super duper good medicine. Um, Rusty, what about you? What, what unique grows, what grows out there uniquely that, that people just overlook, but you know, you can eat well. Is there anything that you're aware of? Okay. I've actually been looking for stuff like pine nettles and dandelions, which are substances which can counteract spike protein type jab related things. So, yes. yeah. <laughs> like the, like the white, white pine. Yes. But we don't have that kind of thing. So yeah. Right. Um, yeah, but we, we have had our own run-ins with trying to, you know, recover from COVID and whatnot. And that's, yeah. that sounds like a really great concoction there that you, you, you guys came up with. Yeah. Did, but, did you have like severe lockdowns over there? What was Vietnam like yeah, during the height yeah. of the COVID scare? No, we, we, we had a, a totally awesome 2020 and now we're, we're getting it all now. We're locked down for a couple of months now. Can't oh, go dear. out. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, it, hit, it hit late. Nobody learned yeah. anything here how to deal with it. They're That's just strange. relying on last year's jabs, which aren't doing anything. No, except exacerbating the problem. Cheryl, right. what do you think about yeah. the jab? Uh, I'm assuming. I'm ass- first of all, I'm making a big assumption here and assuming that nobody here is jabbed. Am I right? Or is any- if, if you are jabbed, please let me know. Nope, not me. Vaccinated. Okay. You yeah. have not? No, absolutely not. No. No. I had COVID. So my husband and I yep. both had COVID. So we, and it was very, you know, very mild for us. And so we have the natural immunity. And like you, we do elderberry syrup, vitamin D, quercetin, honey. You know, we do all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, yeah. Do you, no. do you think that the, the, the spike protein is something contagious from jabbed people? Like, are, are, do you have friends who've got it and, and have been concerned about it for yes, your own safety? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. My young, my youngest daughter actually got the, um, and she lives in Orlando, got the, and she got the nanobox. Yeah. Well, she's a nurse. And, um, so she got both of them and I'm, extremely concerned for her and her husband right. um because you know everything that i've read about this and heard about this and doctors and they're saying that once you get this jab i mean your life expectancy is three to five years and i've, I've heard that terrifies too and me. i think some of it i think some of it just to ease your concerns i think some of it is a little bit uh is a little bit overblown and i think there is a little bit of you know fear mongering and i think that they feel like they're justified and that they're right i think that they believe that there's they, i think that they believe that what they're saying right mm-hmm. i just don't know if it's true and here's and here's why i've got two reasons the first yeah, one just from just from like a uh, conspiracy theorist perspective let's just take that i listened to bill burr one day say you know I'm all for a good conspiracy theory, but the conspiracy that they made these jabs to kill off a whole bunch of us just doesn't make any sense because who would they be killing off then? They're killing off the people who would be the sheep and do what they want and say, yes, master, and I'll do whatever you say. Right. Right. And those are the people they actually want to, those are the people they actually want to keep around. It's all of us assholes who, who, who won't comply that they don't (laughs) want to have to deal with afterwards. So like, what sense does it make? Right. So there's that. And then there's also the idea that. A lot of people operate with a lot of heavy metals in their bodies already, right? Right. Now, we don't know what the effects of 5G radiation or 
uh, targeted electromagnetic frequencies are on these things. If it is graphene oxide, which I do believe it is, which people yes. have been saying, you can create literal like uh, circuits, right? And mm-hmm. how do you get those graphene oxides to move in certain ways? Are they just increasing the transmissibility or receptivity of the human vessel to radio waves, electromagnetic waves? Is it a mechanism to tag and trace everybody? Is it, you know, the Anunnaki are showing up and they think that, you know, this is right. the way to tag all the human herd. Like all of that's on the make, on the main table, but there's always this, more than one agenda. Is that rusty? Yeah. There's always more than one agenda. They never, never, nothing's ever done only on one level. There's always multiple reasons, but you, you're also not. You're not mentioning that a lot of placebos went out in the first year or so. Well, yeah, it is. I, it is generally like a whole experiment that's going on. But right. um, what about you, Serena? What 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 have you? What's your perspective on it? Do you think that the spike proteins or the infectiousness of the jab is a serious concern? Yeah, <laughs> I stay away as much as possible. I would never. Yeah. Yeah, I would quit any job that mandated. Yeah, I'm just not. Nope, not yeah. going to do with it. I have a friend who was a massage therapist, and she had to massage somebody who was jabbed, and she said literally, like all, like 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 fiberglass tingly, her hands were and sore the next day, not in the ways that she would ever be sore. She massages people all the time, and she doesn't get sore. But after this particular patient, she was very. She could feel something different about her hand. And so she was the one who alerted us and our family about the pine, the pine tea and the, the remediation t- tactics. And then she started wearing gloves all the time for massaging, you know? And so there's that anecdotal sort of stuff that I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep track of that. And like, we had uh, a family friend who was giving lessons to our children and we were like, I don't feel comfortable now having them sit there while they're breathing on them, you know, until we figure out until some time goes by and everybody's, you know, become the experiment and we have some actual results. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. Like the whole section of my family is like completely insane and like without any facts, without any evidence, just prosthetalizing that they, everybody needs to go get this thing. And so I just, I, I really don't talk to them and I love them and I concern for them, but has, has the, any of this brought up, consternation or challenges with any of your peoples um i saw somebody yes that this eric hi eric yeah tell Uh, me um my mother-in-law's the vast majority of my wife's family lives in the seattle area and um they're all in and so her mom hasn't seen her sister since all this started because her mom uh hasn't wouldn't wasn't getting vaccinated nobody was traveling um, then she got she got the first shot and then she got COVID, um, and so I don't think she's going to get the second. But you know, so but yeah, there's definitely uh, it's you know it's almost like civil war, splitting families up, you know. On the, on yeah. The, and there's a lot of people that I know, um, you know, in, in the community. I just we just don't even talk about it with most of them because either they're like right. like we are, or or they're just absolutely triggered. Right. And there seems to be no middle ground for that shit. It's like, it's almost as if, it's almost as if they're actually trying to propagate this divide. Right. Um, Uh, you think? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> it's amazing because I used to be like a very liberal lefty. And when I say that, I don't mean in the, uh, you know, believing in communism thing, more of more just environmentalism, like, hey, humans are stupid and we're fucking up our whole situation. We're polluting our air. We're polluting our water. We're polluting our soil. We're polluting our bodies. Like, like, come on. Right. Like, let we can do better. That's always been my my come from. And, you know, I sat up in trees, you know, to keep loggers from doing it, but very naively, just as a kid, right? Like just wanting a better world and going about it in the way that I thought was a good way to do it. And now I'm like, those people that I grew up with, for the most part, have gone completely apeshit crazy and believe in the things that we were fighting against then, right? And are like, like, don't have the spiritual connection and wherewithal to trust their inner knowing and trust their their let's say divinity and you know just uh resiliency and you know started calling me horrible things and these are like loving people right and all of these loving people have become the more hateful people judgmental (laughs) critical immediately dismissing and so I was never, I was never on either side extreme anyway. Like I was always sort of in the middle, but I was more left leaning. And then I was like, Oh, that feels uncomfortable. So I moved to the other side and then everybody's like <laughs> super cozy and like non-judgmental and like accepting for the most part, you know, they're always assholes. Um, and it's just, it's boggled my mind that the, uh, I guess it makes sense. The people who are really feeling oriented like compassion and and like really demonstrative of these 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 feelings and like how they say the left tends to be more um value oriented around decision making or whatever and the right tends to be more rule oriented uh i've found that maybe there's some kind of frequency this is again my conspiratorial hat there's some kind of conspiracy or frequency that instigates this and it's taking advantage of that that kindness or that generosity and, and just flipping it totally into non-acceptance, non, um, non-acceptance and, and vitriol, right? I've seen more supposed peace and love nicks turn into vitriolic, um, mean spirited people. And that, that's really been the hard thing for me in this whole experience. Like I knew the virus wasn't an issue. It was the people and how they would respond to it. And so to see and hear you guys talk about your families, in that way, you know, Eric, it was, it, it's that's the thing that concerns me the most, because if it all collapses, how are we going to get on? Like those kinds of differences are just going to go out the window. Sure. I'm not going to mate with or let my children mate with anybody who's been vaccinated or or has parents who've been vaccinated. But we're all going to have to kind of get along and survive anyway. Right. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think people are just afraid. I think the people yep. who are, I think it's just fear. And I think the, the thing that confuses me is, you know, you, you talk to the people that you, you used to think of as reasonable individuals and they just literally have done none of their own research, you know, it's yeah. just, really? and, and, really? they, and they trust the government who've done so well with so many things. They've all you been know? gaslit so much, gaslit by so many different influences. It's all telling them the same thing. Yeah. And, and yeah. Well, they've been spoon fed their opinion. Right. They've been spoon fed by the media what they're supposed to think. Yeah. And they've done no, and they literally have 
the whole information at their fingertips with their phone, but they're too busy on Instagram or Facebook or whatever to actually educate themselves. Echo chambers. And all yes. of these social media, they have echo chambers and they, they, they've been taught since the whole Trump era came, they've been taught to not trust the ones on the other side. Yeah. And all that has been ramped up to such fever pitch of a divide and it's people, the confirmation bias is too strong and they can't come back now sometimes. So it's, yeah. So, Serena, do you think that there's hope for all of this? And if so, what do you see it taking for, for this to all resolve properly? Um, yeah, that's a big question. Uh, I hope that there's hope, you know, I mean, it's just, I never, I, I don't, I, I have no words. I mean, I'm just, I can't even believe that we're alive during a time like this. Um, yeah. I mean, it is pretty I, fucking exciting. Well, <laughs> it depends on your definition of exciting there, Xavier. But the world's always been like this. It's just, to I mean, some it's, degree it's, or another, right? Like everybody it, thinks that their age is the age of the apocalypse, right? It, you know, my my grandparents lived through the depression, which right um, that was know, some real shit, right? And and you know, and and even before, I mean, take it back to when you want, go back to Romans, go back to you know, go back to Jesus. You know, he was killed by yep. all his all the people he was trying to save. So right, you know, it's it's been the history of the world is it's, the world's always been broken. It's always had problems. I think that the difference is that now you've got such a compression from the media and the, and the technology that allows everybody to kind of look into everything that's going on around. And everybody's like, Oh my God, look and how they bad all it react is. emotionally. Yeah. And, and that actually it's always affects been like the this. planet. Yes. But okay. So if you were in, in, you know, Asia in the 1200s or whatever Genghis Khan was running around, like if Genghis Khan showed up, that was the fucking apocalypse. There was no way out of it. Right. It was right. like, and and if you ran, it was only a matter of time before the apocalypse reached you. So that was like real end of the world type shit. But it didn't it didn't touch the whole world. And like you just said, how we can watch somebody getting beaten up or have their neck stepped on, you know, like George Floyd did. Uh, and everybody around the world is emotionally invested in it now because they're watching it real time on their phone and being like, what the fuck? Right. And so all of this emotion literally creates a change in our piezoelectric field and our electromagnetic field. And we've seen with the Global Consciousness Project what 9-11 did, right? Uh, the random number generators around the planet all started spewing out the same numbers on 9-11 because everybody was focused on the same thing. So when something happens now, like you said, we're all like experience, we're all emotionally involved in it to some degree. And this chaos that's happening. Yes, it's always been happening throughout the world, but now everybody's taking part in it. And so that's, I think, what feels like you know, apocalyptic or dangerous or scary. Like it's like involving the whole world and go figure that it's a a threat, right? That, that the whole world is responding to at once. Like that's, that's interesting. And I just thought about it right now saying this, like a visceral threat to our existence is the first thing that the globe has had to deal with as a global population. Right. I mean, there's something to that. There's some, there's, you know, that's going to take some more thinking, but I agree. I don't think that this is the apocalypse in the sense that everybody, uh, like we're all going to die, but 
uh, I have my thoughts on it, but I want to hold and let Cheryl, what do you see coming and what do you see uh, happening and, and what do you see the resolution? And then I'm going to go through everybody and then I'll give my thoughts and maybe we'll wrap up on that with some positive stuff. What I see coming is really not good. I think that things are going to get much worse. I think that we're going to have food shortage. We're going to have gas shortages. We're going to have, you know, it's going to be really bad. And, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel because I think that when people are pushed to that point and it becomes a point to where they literally have no hope, what do they do? What do people do when they, they don't have hope? They turn back to God. And mm-hmm. that's our hope. And that's where our hope is. And I think that, or my prayer is that we will come out on the other side of this better and stronger and that people will literally, because they have sat back on their hands and not gotten involved, is that people will actually start getting involved and make our elected officials hold them responsible, which is what we should have been doing the whole time. And we got lazy and we got complacent. And I mean, and I'm just as, you know, I'm just as guilty as any other person regarding that because, you know, in my twenties, it's like, oh, well, you know, they have, they have the best interest, America's best interest at heart. I don't have to worry about it. Right. And, right. you know, and everybody and everybody else. And then it wasn't until, you know, I got a little bit older and was like, no, wait a minute. Something's not right here. So I think that we, I think that things are going to get worse. Uh, I see it every time I go to the grocery store. The amount of empty shelves in the yeah. grocery store is terrifying. Yeah. yeah. But, and I think that it's going to get worse, but I think that we have hope that it's going to, that we as a society will come out stronger, that we will actually put our faith back in God where it belongs and not man, which is where it never should have been in the first place. Um, and, uh, you know, come back a stronger nation that is one nation under God, because we have a choice. I mean, we are almost at the point where you have a choice. You've got to put, you got to pick your lane. You got to pick either the right or the left lane. And I don't mean that politically. I mean that you have to pick the right lane being the doing righteous what is lane. right, right. Yeah. Or the left lane and going the opposite way. And we're at that mm. point that you are got to pick that lane. And yeah. I have faith that humanity will pick the in right the end, will. thing to yeah. do. Yes. Same, same. Dan, Dan, the delivery man, how about you? What do you think it's going to take for, uh, we just had Cheryl say, you know, it's going to take a collapse and for people to kind of wake up uh, and really like change their behaviors. What do you think? Well, there's the three horsemen of the apocalypse, war, famine, and disease. They always travel together. What's or the fourth the- one? There's four. Yeah, there's four. Well, I meant war, famine, and disease always travel together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've had the disease, either famine based off of the Ice Age farmer, or we could end up with some form of distracting war. They seem to be going after China. Yeah, well, I think it will be all three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Pestilence. Pestilence is the other one. Yeah. Yes. Well, and there's there's death. Well, oh, is it? There you go. I believe yes. that it is. Pestilence is one wow. of the plagues. Right. Right. Which okay. pestilence yeah, right. is occurring right now? They're having locusts eating the um, crops. Man, there's always some motherfucking locusts eating some crops. 
I but know. It's the thousand. It's the thousand year locusts. It's yeah, the biggest true. one or something right. like that. Yes. Is that in is. the states? It's in uh, I think Australia. Ice Age farmer. Australia, right, right. It's in Australia because of the drought. The drought is so bad there. Yeah. Well, well, thanks, Dan. All right, Rusty, what about you? And then Eric, we'll go to you. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm kind of a little bit more big picture. I, I guess I see this as an inevitability of our kind of evolution and ascension into like mm-hmm. I think this schism has been foretold for quite a while. You can yep. interpret it through different you know, different lenses, you know, the biblical lens, of course, could apply, but it mm-hmm. also could be that the earth is kind of splitting into two dimensions of some sort. And mm-hmm. I think that polarities. We're, yeah, we're just going to have to go two separate ways at some point. Some people are just not going to accept r- raising above petty three-dimensional you know staring at phones yeah and but what, one, what, what do you factor in with the the pole shift i mean the poles are like literally they are scourging. they're already yeah. in progress yeah so yeah yeah i i think that's just you know the physical manifestation of what's happening on other the levels that we can't see in physical reality but Fair enough. I, I, I want to say something about how you mentioned the random thought generation. That's something that's been kind of with me all year that I need to talk about because I think that there is power in focused group atten- intentional thought experiments. And 100%. I, and yeah. I think we need to do it more often and even, you know, the power of eight, this kind of idea where just it doesn't have to it doesn't we don't need a thousand people at once. We just need small groups at the same time focusing on like I just wanted to focus on small things at first and see how it how it works when we put our minds together. But mm-hmm. why not focus repeatedly, especially if the lights go out? And we're all in the dark and we can't look at our phones. No one can access the Internet. Why don't we have something set up in advance where we're all focusing at, let's say, you know, 11 minutes past the hour twice a day and focus on raising people's awareness of activating the pineal gland realize or yeah or like every day at, at 11 11 agreeing to sit and just be like i visualize world peace or i visualize right. yeah health and just yeah some, I, something like that because a, the light might go out and we if we don't have something set up in advance to know what to do then we're not going to be able to network anymore that's that's so true and and there are enough people that are psychically attuned that understand right. their own thought processes and understand what comes from them and what comes from others, you know, um, that, mm-hmm. that would be cool. Maybe that's something that I think, I think the Byron community would be pretty stoked about doing something like that. Um, I thought about mentioning it. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think we can yeah. do that. I mean, we do the Monday morning meditations and, and, uh, update stuff. 
but yeah, right. that, that's something that we could do. And I'm thinking about tomorrow doing the, the first official public hawk talk, um, just to throw it out there. Uh, we'll, it's going to be a lot like the same like this, except, uh, we'll get a little bit more all over the place and, and all, all topics, you know, even though this yeah. is pretty, pretty, pretty comprehensive. All right. Eric, I have a question. Uh, well, thanks, Rusty. By the way, did you feel complete in your, in your thought process? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Show. Well, I have a question for everyone. And well, I mean, can we, is... can we let, uh, Eric go with his, oh, uh, yes, I'm sorry. I'm question? sorry. No, that's cool. Absolutely. Okay. I'm sorry. And then, and then I'd love to hear your question. Well, um, I don't know. My personal belief is I, th- I think I have some optimism about how things are because while there seems to be a lot of people out there who are not really focused on what I would consider to be the correct things, there are some really cool things going on in the world today, especially Truly. being led by a lot of really young folks with some really brilliant ideas. Yep. So I think the technology is, is enabling a lot of that. Um, there are a lot of people I know that are doing things that are, are just amazingly cool and yep. they're not being distracted by all this other stuff. I mean, I, my wife and I haven't watched the news in about seven years. I mean, God we, bless you. We were you and Cheryl. Talking. Yeah. Well, when yeah. I first started following Jack, he's like, you know, but we started listening to the, uh, no agenda podcast. If you want to plug. And so they kind of, uh, Adam Curry <laughs> is, is kind of the father yep. of the podcast. I remember that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and he and he and uh, John Dvorak they they deconstruct the news, and yep. they've got kind of a global perspective on that. So we listen to that. My wife still, I'm making her a dame for her 50th birthday next year. But hey, um, that's cool. Yeah. So, but you know, you you get a kind of a different perspective when you start looking at how things look from outside the country because the United States really our our media only reports from one particular way, and so yeah, exactly. and so. When we yeah, started it's, doing it's that, horrific. we started looking around. Then I started finding people like Jack Spearco and Paul Wheaton and you know, Lucy the Goose, Goose people and Cole Sauce. And, you know, um, there's just there's so many cool people doing so many good things out there. I don't know what the United States is going to end up looking <laughs> like. I, I think we're probably on the tail end of what the United States can accomplish. I think it was a good experiment. I think it had a fine run. But I think the technology is compressed. You know, the Roman Empire lasted a thousand years. I, I think we're probably at the end of what this looks like. Something else will rise up from it, but I don't. I, I agree. But my my concern, and I think everybody's concern, either whether it's defined or undefined, is that what comes next is more tyranny, more yeah. global panopticon, technological, technocratic police state, biomedical police state bullshit than mm-hmm. the opposite. And I think we all here are people who would want it to go the opposite. And I think that a majority of people want it to go the opposite. They just don't have any fucking idea what that looks like. Nobody's built it yet. And everybody's trying to build like that's what we're doing with Firon. Like that's literally the purpose of Firon is to build what comes next so that it is yeah. more liberating. You know what I mean? Um and so I, there, do, there I are, think they may have overreached though, because a lot of people in oh, yeah. the schools and put the put the families together for the first yep. time in forever. I know lots yep. of families that used to not spend any time together because the kids were always going to different games. They had all these events and all these things that they were involved in. Right. And, and so, but when they, when all that stuff got shut down and everybody started being a family together. And so that's, that's why I think you're seeing the rise in homeschooling. I think there's a lot of people now who are like, okay, we're all done with this. 
And I love I, that I, perspective. Yes, and I think I there's a lot of people. I think the government, you know, and the officials are still trying to push into whatever the narrative is that they've got going on. And I, I agree with Rusty. I think there's a lot of layers to that. Um, but you know, I, I, what's it going to look like? So you I'm, feel I, I can't predict. So you feel like if this were a martial arts com- combination or co- uh, combat, they've overextended themselves their center of balance is off and that gives us the opportunity to move and do something with that energy, like a keto, right? I, yeah. And as a matter of fact, my, my brothers have been an Aikido instructor for 40 years. So I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I think that is there. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Cheryl, you had a question that by the way, yes. everybody, thank you for answering the questions. And by the way, Thank you for all being so fucking incredible. Like this has been a really interesting conversation. It's the kind of one that I live for, really. So thank you for that. So Cheryl, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yes, it has. Um, does everyone feel, and this is something that I've had for probably a good couple of months, but does everyone feel like something big is coming and it's not necessarily good? So, I think, uh, I yes, think not, I, not only one thing. I oh, think I, Yes, yeah, well, I, mean, I wanted something... to answer. I wanted to answer the last question. I I I I saved myself for last for a reason, and that was that I think, and I think Eric really just hit the nail on the head. And I just want to expound on it just a little bit, and that is that yes, I I ultimately feel very optimistic, but I think I could sum it up by saying I think humanity needs a big spanking, and kind of like <laughs> a, a spanking, like wake up out of your stupor, right? And remember what is important. And, and to Eric's point, yes, all of this time where we are like took all of these things for granted and all of a sudden they've just been taken away. Like this is a really great thing, you know, because it has made people like, wait a minute, slow down. What the fuck are we building in this civilization? Is it going the way we want it to? And I think as much as we want to say the Rothschilds are evil and all these people, blah, 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 like whether they're evil or good, you wouldn't have Star Wars without the Empire and the Resistance, right? This interplay yeah. back and forth. There has to be that balance. Like, I, I don't want to destroy the dark and I do not want to destroy the, the, the light to be destroyed. I want it to be like this balance. And I think so long as we rein that in in our technological development into the capabilities of our wisdom, like maybe we do need a big spanking for and to go to your question, Cheryl, like maybe there is some big bad thing happening and maybe it's not that bad. Maybe it's just like the natural order of things. And we do need to get back to like, not necessarily agrarian, but more rootsy, right? Like growing our own food, becoming more self-reliant, finding the things like spiritually and socially that really are of value. And that if if a big bad thing could be like a sun pop, right? An EMP sends out the electricity. Would that destroy civilization? No, I actually don't think it would. I think it would just like rebooting the computer, right? Oh, like there's there's a virus. Let's reboot the computer and do it in safe mode. Like, I think that's what's going to happen. And, and to end my thought before we get to your question is, uh, have you guys ever seen Star Trek? The one where they go back in time to where Zebrin Cochran creates warp drive for the first time. I think it's called first contact. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. Yes. So there's a period of time in 2025, right? I think is when it was set where it's like, <laughs> there was a huge virus that wiped everybody out wars. There were all these quote unquote factions. There was you no know, United States and you know, it's going to be that, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, but I, I haven't been very wrong about things yet, um, that there's going to be a period of time of that where there's still going to be high technology, uh, but in pockets and people will develop things that will eventually make a better society. So that would be my full and complete answer um, and, 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 and leading off my, 
my answer to your question. So if you want to pick on people and let them answer, I'm, I'm totally open for that, Cheryl. Oh, go ahead. Anyone that wants to answer, go ahead and answer. Everybody. Can you repeat the question? Do you feel you like there's feel something big and bad that's going to happen? Oh. Is coming and it's not necessarily good. Sorry, sorry. I went down a rabbit hole after Xavier. Um, I think it's going to be a series of smaller events that are going to be probably regional catastrophic incidents, kind of look more like a hurricane or, or a tornado. Because I think that there, you're going to have pockets of the country that are going to do just fine because they're, they're kind of self-sufficient already. Um, Texas, I know Jack's a big fan because, you know, Texas is as big as most countries and, uh, they've got a lot of their own infrastructure. So, I mean, I don't, I don't see Texas being impacted by a lot of these things in, in much the same way as maybe Arkansas would because, you know, or Kansas because we're landlocked. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, there's not a lot of, I mean, we have some oil well drilling and refining down in the Midwest Southern part of the state, but I mean, you know, what are we going to do? We've, we've got a nuclear power plant. Um, you know, we've produced some, we've got some of the biggest wind farms in the country. Um, so I think energy is going to be somewhat available, but you know, what about the infrastructure? We don't grow a lot of the food that we grow is, is exported out to other places in other countries. I mean, Kansas is the breadbasket of the United States. So. They grow a lot of wheat and corn and soybeans, which is none of the stuff I eat, but, you know, a lot of people do. So I think it's going to be a lot of smaller stuff, probably not one giant of it. Right. Okay. What about you, Rusty? Uh, I can understand the sensing of some kind of ominous thing. But I also believe in timelines, and I don't like to give too much energy to negative possibilities. So I try not to focus on too much energy on what the negative outcomes, worst case scenarios aren't, aren't really my bag, I guess. So yeah, I, I think if you, if you have ever looked into this, something like the looking glass project, they're, uh, they, they, there is, this narrative where they looked at ancient technology, which is able to look at timelines and it all narrows down to one and we're going to get through this. And the baddies are throwing their toys out of the crib going down right now. And they know they're going down and they're fighting their way, trying to take as many of us down with them as they can. I agree with that. I, I sort of feel like the whole great awakening thing. Yep. Like that you can't put this level of consciousness back in the bag. Once people have right. had a taste of what real freedom is, they won't settle for anything less. Dan, yep. the delivery man. How about you? You think something bad's coming? I felt like they're similar to Jack Spearco. There's a flux coming. Yeah. And I have to say, I think the more I think about it, it is the baby boomer generation. 80% of them own houses. They have a lot of money in the stock market. They're <laughs> going to collect all this social security. What happens when they take all that out? And by 2030, mm. I think they're predicted to all be in the grave or in homes. So there's just that. I feel like they're the elites know this and they're trying to prepare before this all happens. And I mean, there's not enough jobs. If all those people quit their jobs, the baby boomers, I mean, that's going to put a uh, that's damper. what the reset's all about. Yeah, the reset's yeah set for yes. 2030. So 
Yes. Yeah, yep. that's what makes me think about that. So I think when you, they quit all their jobs and they start collecting all their pensions and Social Security, selling their houses, moving into retirement homes, it's going to put a big strain on on civilization. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yes. Serena, what about you? Yeah, I don't think that there's going to be like one huge bad thing. I believe, you know, I create my own reality for the most part. So, mm-hmm. and also, you know, like you guys were saying, um, focus goes where energy flows. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't watch the news. I don't go to places where I have to be vexed or masked. So, I mean, short of, you know, us turning into Australia, I mean, that would be a bad thing. But yeah, I don't think that that would last very long. I think that that, that and, so, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't feel like there's one huge, big, bad thing coming. No. Let, let me throw a wrench into all of this. What about all of the nuclear power plants that require consistent power to stay within the operational parameters and not melt down? I remember like a couple of years ago reading an article about how if a grid situation went down, like, all the nuclear power plants would basically go into meltdown. And what would that do? You know? Wow, um, I never thought of that one. Well, that's a bad that, thing. That's that a bad a thing, big... right? But, no. but, but like in my, my preparedness checklist, right? Like I'm, I go from the worst possible scenarios and how would I try to survive that? Or would I even want to, right? Um, right. to then like, okay, well, then if I'm prepared for the worst possible thing, which is the sun popping, let's say, and then all the grids going down and then all the nuclear plants going into meltdown. That's pretty fucking horrible. Or, you know, something like uh, Yellowstone popping and just putting the whole earth into an ice age. Like, I don't know that I'd want to survive, right? Well, um, honestly, there, there, there might be a misconception there, though, because uh, there is yes, a nuclear please. power plant that's very near us. And I know some people yeah. that work there. And yeah. the, the, the misconception for most Americans is that if there's a, a nuclear a problem with a plant, that you're going to get a Chernobyl type of a of scenario where or or the uh, one in Japan where they had the leakage underwater. Right. U, right. U.S. power plants are designed in a much different way, and so while it might contaminate the site, it would basically just be radioactive there. I mean, they're covered in water; they they, they basically just shut down. And so you're not going to go swimming in that place, but you're not going to contaminate 50 miles around it, is my understanding. That you just you, you just can't have a Chernobyl type type of a meltdown scenario because we have designed our system so much differently than than the Russians did. And so while it wouldn't be a good thing, what you would lose is uh, capacity to produce the power that those plants are currently producing. I mean right. that would be that would be the bigger problem, I think, than the actual plants, because the plants aren't going to explode. They're not going to put um, radioactivity, you know, they're not going to contaminate the area. It's not going to, it's not going to be like that. And I, I'm sure there'll probably be some nuclear physicist comes out of the woodwork and tells me I'm completely full of it, but that's, that's what I've been told. So I'm not a nuclear yeah. expert, but I've been told by people who work at those plants that, that is not a viable scenario for, for a catastrophic problem. Yeah, I hope you are right. Learning something by now, how to improve that. Yeah, but 
I've also been told by some of the people that work at them that if something like that were to happen, it would have already happened because they people that don't really maintain them like they should or they don't know what they're doing. So, right, right. <laughs> which which doesn't increase my level of confidence much there. No, anyway, but, but, I, yeah. but the point is, if you're going to have a problem yeah. like that, it would have happened already. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Okay, cool. Um, I also, the, the idea of the solar flash is something that, so I've been doing a lot of, you know, reading up and listening up on Ben Davidson and, you know, the electric universe and this 2,500, yeah. 600 year, like, uh, solar cycle um mm-hmm. and how it coincides with all of the glacial periods in the earth's history you can go back through the ice cores and see it there's the, it's yep. literally there we're coming up from that period and, yeah and um the gleisberg cycle switching up every 60 160 years or whatever it is and we're coming up on a big transition point and that the pole in conjunction with the electromagnetic field of the earth shrinking by like orders of magnitude as well as the the North Pole and even South Pole with the South Atlantic anomaly, um, you know, we're having this this excursion event where we our lives are so quick and short that in the geological flipping of the poles, like it's happening in our light, like we can see it, right? Um, whereas yeah. in the past it was somewhat stable. So I think all of those things combined, and the Gleisberg cycle, and the evidence on the on the Moon and Mars, and even on the Earth of glass spherules. Uh, which represent the outer layer of the sun kind of like sloughing off, right? Like, like, cause yeah. as the sun produces its, its atomic material that we call light and that eventually becomes material on the earth, you know, and other planets, the, uh, it pulses at a rapidity that we don't see because we are within the pulses. Like, like our lifespans are so short. Our civilization's lifespan is so short that we fall within the pulses, but we happen to be potentially at one of those pulse points. And that the Apollo missions went to the moon to look for these glass spherules to validate the theory that came out by Chan Thomas, I think was his name, uh, with the CIA briefing on the poles and the, the geo, the geomagnetic pole shift, uh, mm-hmm. coinciding with the sun, sun micronova. And that these glass spherules are literally the hard, heavy elements that don't expel off the sun like it just builds up and builds up until it gets to a point where it has to like pop to get it all off um right. and then that happens frequently in that we have micro solar nova events and so i think like that being one of the the worst you know but then you listen to people like david wilcox and, and his interpretations of ancient scriptures and various different you know uh different modalities and there's this idea of ascension where if you become light if your consciousness and your perspective become that of the eternal soul and that you recognize this I am, the self that we all are, as a momentary expression of that infinite creator in this unique form, then you don't have fear and you kind of like melt into the next level of conscious level of... of and I think that that's Rusty where where you sort of live in that perspective, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's better to transcend the fear at the bottom yeah. line in my in my view and i i i'm not a big wilcock guy but i do i do like yeah the I mean, idea yeah I, I i just find a lot of comfort in the notion that i can identify with my soul my eternal nature and still right. address all of the 3d meat suit stuff that we need to just for being here right and become as good <laughs> as i can at that self-reliant self you know self-sufficient and, I, well, that's and that's what I really love about this community is that, 
we have such a broad spectrum of understanding and things we pay attention to and levels of awareness and everything. And it's, uh, and yet we can all come together on this, this, this very values driven notion that we want to do right by our fellows, by our relationship with ourselves and our family, by God, by, by nature and the environment and live in balance. So the best way to do that is to become self-reliant, uh, you know, tell the state to piss off in a sense because they keep getting in the way of things. And we end up supporting a system that's not in our soul's best interest, let's say. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. So do you guys have any questions for each other and or for me? And then we'll we'll kind of wrap this up and give everybody last thoughts and and uh sign off. I have to go. Thanks a lot. Is that Dan the man? It is. Thank you for being here, brother. I appreciate you taking the time and, and jumping in. Thank you. See you. Yeah. Right, give us updates on the, on the ducks and uh, if you do get some pigeons. I definitely want to know some more about pigeon stuff. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> See you. All right, brother. Thank you. And Rusty, thanks for being here at like 5 a.m. in the morning. Jesus. Yeah, I think I should get some sleep now. I do have a day <laughs> Probably. I do have a day <laughs> off. But yeah, I'm a night owl anyway, but. Yeah. yeah. Good, well, right good on. to run into y'all again. So. Yep. Any last thoughts? Um, no, but I will pop in and try to get some more interest in just some small group intention experiments because I think that would be pro- productive. That's all for okay. today. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, let's do some uh, some mindful intention. Well, thanks, Rusty. Have a great morning. Great night. Yeah. Sleep well. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Yep. All right, Cheryl, Serena, and Eric, it's you and I. Any last questions, last thoughts? Everybody stay safe and God bless. Yep. Didn't you the, say did you, you find news about Phyron? Uh, yes. So um, what was it in relation to? Oh, so we have... So Phyron is not just the app, right? That's our main focus. And all of the things that we're doing are to prop that up and build it up. And we have projects going on in renewable energy with vertical axis maglev wind turbines, biofuels, um, uh, growing systems, lighting systems, sustainable building systems like space age polymers, um, actually some stuff going on in space now and sensors and the 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 Phyron phone which is a, a Star Trek tricorder essentially uh phone that can take a picture of you or scan you and diagnose you with whatever you might have that's found in the database right so this is like amazing technology that would literally be able to prop up and build the civilizations that we want our main objective is the app and to make sure that it is launched and stewarded in such a way that it does not become the beast control panopticon biomedical police state tyranny that we all don't want, but to become that which is liberating uh, force for humanity. Right. So the the updates there are that we will be launching our token this year, uh, both to accredited and then eventually unaccredited through a reg A. When that happens, I'll let you all know. And then, um, and we've gotten a bunch of contracts signed and licenses signed. So we are officially en route and on the way to building the system, which is very exciting. Oh, cool. Yep. And when that happens, we'll have a sovereign banking, 
cooperative credit union, essentially, that will have its own jurisdiction, uh, sort of like what, what Jack and I would, had talked about years and years ago on TSP, like a virtual nation um, where you can get all of your documentation and stuff like that, as well as do business without having to involve yourself with the state. So, I mean, besides like your own income and your own nation, whichever nation it is. So very exciting stuff. I'm, I'm like super excited to get underway this year and then like what next year holds. That sounds very cool. So when is the beam me aboard Scotty technology going to be coming? Oh God, I, I don't know. That's a good one. I, I, <laughs> according to some people, they're they're already doing that shit, but I don't I don't know. Well, you know, right. I just hate I hate the whole traveling thing. Just beam me there, <laughs> right? Yeah, just, yeah. Send me. Yeah. And I watched a uh, special on that with that Japanese doctor about that. They, they could do that, but then what they'd end up doing is cloning you on the other end, so there'd be multiples of you all over the place. So I don't know that we're gonna... <laughs> Oh right? God, Interesting. no. Yeah, I can, I can guarantee name, my but... family doesn't want that. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Uh, how about you, how about you, Eric? Any last thoughts? Um, just I, I enjoy being part of the community. I think everybody should learn to grow some of their own food, and uh, yeah, you know, just just support everybody in the in the best way that they can. Uh, just be kind to each other and release the geese. Yes, definitely more kind to each other. And, and for sure, thank you so much for being here. I hope you guys have gotten something out of this conversation. I know I have. It's been actually very delightful. And I'm hoping our, our community out there that's watching uh, and listening gets something out of this as well. Serena, any last thoughts for you? Happy to be here with you guys with like-minded people. And I wish we all had our own island. We could all move together. And Amen. Together. That's right. right? I'm, I'm yeah, down. Yeah. yeah. Amen. I think, uh, Byron, build it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There you yeah. go. And, <laughs> yep. And uh, I think Jack calls his island "fuck off the stand." Um, <laughs> we've got the island up in Tennessee with Nicole Sauce and uh, LivingFreeInTennessee.com. Uh, we have FreedomCells.org, which is an organization put on by our good friend John Bush who um, it's a great place to get in touch with like-minded folks, like the people that you've been hearing and listening to and watching on this show. Um, people who in their own states are taking empowerment into their own hands and self-reliance into their own hands. I can't speak highly enough of what John's doing over there. Uh, we've got Sal the Agorist, who's got to come on soon because I haven't seen him for a long time. And that's um, 3D printer go burr. And what if, who else have we got? Niti Bali. She's got the Freedom Church. I'm, I'm sorry, Meet Church. She's also based in, I believe it's Tennessee or North Carolina. Um, and then obviously Jack Spierko and myself, Xavier Hawk. I hope you all have a beautiful day. Thanks for joining us on this episode of What the Flock Talk with Xavier Hawk on Unloose the Goose. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Unloose the Goose. We'll take no. Paradise.